Is it physically, spiritually, mentally possible, necessary maybe, to somehow copy and paste ourselves into somebody else's world to both give us an appreciation of our own world and to make us more empathetic? Is that necessary? That's next on this episode of the Gratitude Journal Podcast. This is the Gratitude Journal Podcast. Bummed. Bummed, my friends. Bummed. Oh, man. I just hit play and record to start off the recording of this episode of the Gratitude Journal podcast when my wife sent me a text and told me that the great and now the late great Henry Hammerin Hank Aaron died. This is horrible. This is horrible. It's Matthew here. Boy, I hate starting off a podcast like that. But it just seems like 2020 just wants to bleed into 2021 with unrelenting force. Man, oh man, how Hank Aaron could move those wrists through the strike zone for that bat to make contact with a ball is, I believe, unmatched. It's really amazing how the figures that I grew up with are now starting to either not perform anymore or are simply unable to perform because they're no longer with us. And Hank Aaron is one of those luminaries. I mean, you know from past podcasts how much of a baseball fan I am. So the death of Hank Aaron is really representative of my era growing up, and those ballplayers are quickly becoming late, great ballplayers. So it pains me to start off the podcast in such a negative way, but it I can't react in any other way but to be extremely saddened by the death of Hank Aaron. So we move on. Hello, Matthew here. And uh, yeah, sorry about that. I'm trying to not get choked up, not necessarily because of Hank Aaron, because that's sad. But my wife, you know, wanted to uh, provoke mood down here in the studio. So she brought me this little candle, which is really luxurious to look at. It's very peaceful. And she also lit some incense. And for whatever reason, the, the waft of this sort of sandalwood incense is like wrapping itself around the back of my throat. So I'm going to pause momentarily. Okay, that was me pausing to get a drink of water. I think we're okay. (laughs) But it does smell nice down here, and it looks nice too. And it's necessary here in the basement lair because it is very wintry outside. I did my walk earlier, and I really had to bundle up, and I really had to watch my step because there were certain places on the sidewalk where the ice kind of looked like a hockey rink. 
And it's just one of those days. It's it's overcast and it's a little windy. It's very chilly. The temperature is really not climbing out of the upper 20s and is just typical January. And Donna has been marching around the house over the last five days doing her you know spring countdown. And that countdown just seems like spring is a long way away. So my suggestion to her, which is in turn a suggestion to me, which is in turn a suggestion to you, is to not count the days. Just focus on this day. Make this day work and get something out of this day. So luckily for me, I get to lay down a podcast and uh, have a walk-in already, did laundry, we'll do some grocery shopping after the end of the workday, and prepare for a weekend. It is a Friday here in Northeast Ohio, and it is also a day where we have a new president. So that's still sinking in, just trying to let myself absorb that truth and moving our way through yet another day. I have a longtime friend who will go nameless, but for the purposes of this podcast, I'll just say this person's name is JT. And JT is a longtime friend. JT has fallen on some very hard times and has emerged from these very hard times. And for that, I give JT a lot of credit. I believe anybody who overcomes obstacles, an obstacle, and in JT's case, many obstacles, obviously deserves praise and and deserves to be lauded for the journey that he or she is on. And in JT's case, that journey is an arduous one. One that involved uh, a very serious accident, one that involved just numerous things that seemed to be piling on, almost like one thing after another, a relationship that was crumbling, a change in residence, uh, issues with care, and many medical conditions And really, a person who, when I first met him, was at the height of his powers, very creative, and it took a number of at least one or two major issues and a number of other minor things that seemed to all culminate in a snowball effect that put JT really near the edge of the abyss. And he somehow summoned the strength to overcome it. And I bring JT up because when I think back on all of the things that he went through, like a lot of us go through our series of things, right? I have often thought to myself during those occurrences, wow, can't he just do this? Or in response to another crisis. Why did not he just do this? Or during our conversations, I would say, 
I just don't understand why you don't see this. You just need to do this, which will in turn make you do this, and then the outcome will be this. And then he would just never do it, and then it would frustrate me, and I would shake my head, and I would get in my car and drive away, going back to my own world. And so I almost, at some point along this chronology, thought of myself, for want of better words, I thought of myself as maybe slightly better than him. Like, I knew the secret to climbing out of this hole, and I can't believe that he couldn't see it. And it was very easy for me to divorce myself from his situation. You know, making myself not linked to his situation and being able to observe it from afar, like from a distance, like I were a drone over top of it, looking down on it and saying, huh, oh, if you just do this, then you're going to be cool and all will be golden. And I realized that that just wasn't the case. For whatever reason, my advice wasn't sinking in. Maybe it wasn't good advice. Maybe it wasn't heartfelt advice. And as I look back on it, I think my intent was not great. Now, if I know anything about Eastern thought, we need to have right intent, you know, right intentions. And I don't really know that my intentions were exactly right. They may have been, they may have meant well, but I don't think that they came from a place of pure empathy. And I have to admit that when I think back on JT's situation, I'm a little embarrassed about it. Because then when the thing started to mount for me and for my situation and others would say, well, why don't you just do this? Or, well, have you ever thought of this? My immediate inclination was to say, you're a freaking idiot. I'm not doing that. That doesn't even make any sense. You have no idea what I'm going through. You have no idea the mountain that I have to climb each and every day. You are completely ignorant of my situation. I mean, F off. I don't want to hear anything more about it. And so when I do sort of an A-B comparison between those situations, I realize that this thing that we enjoy talking about called empathy means more than just kind of shrugging your shoulders, nodding, and giving someone a pat on the back and saying that I understand. I do believe it means more than that. And I do believe that it means trying our best to put ourselves in that situation. Speaking of being at the height of one's powers, it was 2006 and I really felt like I was at the height of my powers, my radio creative powers. I was coming off of almost five years of working for the world's first radio station and I had made a decision that maybe I was going to look at other opportunities and voila, 
a opportunity emerged in a much larger market. And we were all set to move from Pittsburgh to Atlanta. And I was wanted. I was needed. My creativity was going to get a, sort of a new rejuvenated road. And I was all prepared. And I had put in my notice at KDKA in Pittsburgh, and I had quit my position, and I was doing work for my new employer from my home studio, trying to sell my house, getting things in order. I was making it work from the home studio, so I didn't feel rushed. I was thinking, wow, I'm going to end up in at the end of 2006, we're going to move south, and I'm going to start this new career. And everything was just golden until I got this call one day, and I remember the day, it was December 20th, and I got a call from the person who hired me, not even five months after I had quit my position at KDKA and joined their team, when the person on the other end of the phone said, we have decided to completely blow up the radio station, and now you no longer have a position with us. And it rocked my world. I had never been let go from a position before, ever at any job. And it was life-altering. It was mind-numbing. I couldn't believe that this had actually happened to me. But these things happen, and we have to adjust. It's almost like when clients of mine out of the blue call up and say, we're going to use someone else to perform the services that you perform. And it's almost like that scene that I've probably referenced before, you know, in Goodfellas, when the guy gets in the car and the guy behind him takes a nice pick and jams it in the back of his neck. I mean, one minute he's talking, ratcheting, going on and on about what sandwich he's going to have at the diner, and the next minute he's no longer even on the earth. I mean, it can happen that quickly. And you're probably thinking, well, that's a really crude analogy to make, but that's really the way it is. I mean, there's no love in it. There's no, it's not, there's no way to be gentle about it. It's just, it is what it is. And now, now I don't even get phone calls. I mean, I really get text messages or emails. I mean, they're as cold and calculating as it can possibly be. These things happen. They're a part of the world. And we want other people to understand what that is. We want other people to understand what we're going through. But there's really very little way to communicate the essence of those things, the essence of getting that call where all of a sudden you're going from the height of your powers to zip, or you are trudging along, doing your thing, and all of a sudden, boom, the hammer comes down. And you try to react, you try to be an adult about it, but there's no way to convey those feelings to someone else unless they're actually in your place or attempting to be in your place. And the worst for me is probably getting that announcement on January 2nd of 2019 that my wonderful wife, the love of my life, uh, was suddenly diagnosed with early stage dementia and Alzheimer's. And so that feeling that swept over me 
and continues in little ways to sweep over me right now. It's hard to convey to others what that is unless they've been through it. And that's not to put myself in a peculiar, particular situation that nobody else can relate to. That's not really why I bring that up. I bring it up because it seems natural that while people may understand or share some commonalities, they're not in your shoes and you're not in their shoes. But it does beg the question, is it possible that we don't do enough to be in each other's shoes? Like, can we really understand somebody else's situation? And even though we can't totally understand it, do we have the duty to try to be better at making ourselves more empathetic to their situation by trying to understand it more deeply? I think of JT and I am a little ashamed of the things that I thought. And I think on one hand, it's natural because we are immersed in our own worlds. Obviously, those things in our worlds are of primary importance of optimal importance and we're naturally going to gravitate towards focusing on those things first and foremost. Yet, I wonder if we aren't called to something deeper than that. If we aren't called to a place where we make an even greater attempt to immerse ourselves in other people's worlds. And I think of my friend, Ginny, who I've, I'm so grateful for knowing her and so grateful for having her in my world. And so grateful that she has shown me so many things that I believe that I've learned from her to try to be a better person. And I wish that I would have practiced those things more with my friend TJ. Because Jenny is the kind of person who is very selfless and is very quick to make sure that she knows that she's thinking of you. She's the only person in my world who sends me a birthday card. She's the only person who sends my wife a birthday card. She's the only person who sends us an anniversary card. And I know that she does this for all of the people who are in her small circle of, of life. And It's not just the card, it's the thought, it's the way that she 
tells me that she's detached from it and yet makes it known that she is empathetic about where I am in my place in life and has always been that way since the first time I met her in 1977. And so I do think that my role as a human is to be an empath and someone who strives to be a better empath. And I need to learn from my mistakes with TJ. And I need to remind myself of my embarrassment at even remotely thinking that I knew how to handle my problems better than he knew how to handle his problems. Because I've learned throughout these instances of losing jobs and losing clients and losing some of the most important person in my life due to this disease, that we are beholden to one another, that we need that empathy, that heartfelt empathy from others. And I don't know how that factors into science. I don't know how it factors into theological thought. I'm not sure exactly how it factors in to our physical well-being, the, the clinical after effects of this. But what I do know is that it feels like a responsibility, and it's a responsibility that I need to be better at. And the other thing I'm grateful for today is a quote that a friend of mine mentioned yesterday, probably without even realizing it. One of the things that I do here in the studio is I do audiobook and podcast editing. And during one of my sessions doing audiobook editing, Troy, the narrator for whom I do some work, mentioned a quote that appeared in the book that he was reading. And it's an Amish proverb. And it goes like this. Instead of putting others in their place, put yourself in their place. And when he read that, it's like my world yesterday just stopped. And I really came to an almost grave realization of my own frailty in this area. And if there's anything remotely resembling a resolution for the new year, I would say that this is going to be my resolution. And I'm really grateful for having heard that quote because I really needed to remind myself all the time to be better at putting myself in somebody else's place. Well, the joy from our Cleveland Browns came to a very bitter end last weekend, and Donna and I were munching away on our tater tots and trying to make it happen. 
trying to, from our little place in the world here in Northeast Ohio, completely adorned with Browns gear, trying our best to will them on to the AFC championship game. And there just wasn't enough oomph in the tank to get it done. So I have made amends with the fact that it was a great year. It took me a couple of days. I didn't want to I didn't want to give over to the moral victory side of things. I just wanted a victory. But <laughs> I realized, and I say this to Donna, you know, I know we just scored a touchdown, but I know it's not going to change my world. Like, I still have to get up tomorrow. I still have to do the same stuff that I normally do. And I have to do it at a high level so that I protect us and hopefully do the things that I'm supposed to do. But it is and was just this brief little time of joy when for three hours we could just give ourselves over (laughs) to this stupid football game. And I guess that's what rooting is all about, huh? Until then, please hope you're safe and, and healthy and you're doing social distancing and it's so crucial that we wear our masks and I don't feel any shyness about saying it. I'm sorry. That's the way I feel. And I think what I should be doing is probably wear a mask right now so that more of this sandalwood incense doesn't blow into my mouth and my throat, which is exactly what it's doing. So I'm going to wrap things up and thank you for downloading and listening to another edition of the Gratitude Journal podcast.